Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. And thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio. I hope everyone had a great Christmas and that you enjoyed the time with your family. And I hope Santa was good to you. Today's podcast will look back at the year in sports in the Capital Region in 2019. I am joined by my Gazette colleagues, Michael Kelly, the sports editor, and sports writers Mike McAdam and Jim Schultz. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. And I believe this is the first time we've all been together for the podcast. Meeting of the minds. Yes. Oh, we wow. can fit the whole Gazette sports staff. <laughs> <laughs> the studio is huge. It's expansive. It exists. Yes. So two minutes for everyone. <laughs> well, it was an interesting year in, the, in sports in the Capital Region. And why don't we start with Jim in the high school sports year. And let's start with um, Joseph Gerard III. I mean, I, he was the story of the year in high school sports. Glens Falls boys basketball team, uh, he led them to the state Class B title. And he won two state titles with the football team. Uh, just talk about what he meant to the program and you know, the, the, just the accolades he got in, uh, this year. It was amazing, and it was a blast. I got to tell you, every game, every time he went to a game with Glens Falls, it was fun, man. This was really fun. He was obviously fantastic, you know, now he's, you know, starting at Syracuse. But he carried that team. He had help. He had help, but he was the man, you know. And I, he was the first three months of the high school season. It was Joe Girard. Everything. What's he doing every game? What did he do today? What did he do? 50 points. Okay, 60. And then, but then he culminates the, uh, the great run. Uh, with a great effort in the championship game, state final uh, against Lowville, I believe, who was just uh, played locally. Uh, and he scores the winning basket, you know, on a layup. And then, but let's not forget, they take it even further up in Glens Falls. Yeah. Uh, they win the Federation title. So just to cap it off, and he has two more wild games. And uh, he was the story of the first three months of the year, you know, uh, January, February, March. Uh, fantastic. And, and again, even... We're into a new basketball season, and I still think back of some of the things that he did. I mean, just how impressive was he, Jim? Just, I mean, yeah, I mean, just did he? Was he really a one-man team? Were you, he wasn't. That's not really accurate because no, because you have to defend as a team. You have to pass the ball as a team. Um, uh, his his uh, cousin Trent. Uh, really came through big time in the playoffs with some big scoring games. But, no, they were a team just happened to be led by an unbelievable superstar. So it was a team effort. Joe got a ton of the accolades and everything. But teams win championships. Uh, He was the man uh, on a team. You know, I would say that. But, again, uh, just the way he finished it off, the way the pressure, there had to be a lot of pressure on the young guy. And and he just continued to deliver. Fantastic. Right up into that final game. Federation champions uh, couldn't ask for a better way for for it to end, and it was exciting. It was yeah. great to watch. I mean, how about you, Mike uh, Kelly? I mean, your thoughts about your arc? Yeah, you know, just to to kind of piggyback off that for a second. I, I remember I was talking with with Rob Gerard, the, the head coach, uh, another one of Joe's cousins, <laughs> uh, one of the one of the three or four thousand up in Glens Falls. I think so. And uh, you know, I, 
I asked him at one point, like, you know, are, are you surprised? I think this was in between winning the state title and the Fed title. Yeah. Um, you know, are, are you surprised that it worked out playing the way that you do? And uh, his answer was, you know, like, yes, because he didn't know if the team could defend as well as you kind of were just uh, yeah. were, were referencing. Because they, they, I've never seen, uh, you know, any level <laughs> of basketball where one player is still responsible for a team's offense. Yeah. And especially just for him to do that for, for what amounted to, you know, like two, three years. Um, which is so incredible. And, you know, and again, you know, something Jim said earlier that, uh, that, you know, stuck out with me is you really did every single day. Um, it was like, what did Joe do today? Yeah, for three months, um, the first three, yeah. Yeah, you know, when you compare it to, to now in the yeah. high school basketball season that we're having uh, this winter, and it's kind of relaxed. You know, there's nobody regularly scoring 60 points and, you know, it's hitting a new milestone yeah. every couple days. It is days. different. We don't have that kid going out and just, you know, we're waiting to see who we're going to be this year, the boys and girls. Who's going to be that handful of uh, kids who are just going to be the big-time stars? we got a feel for a couple of them. Yeah, you know, my two impressions of him, and, and I don't, I didn't get to see him play a lot, but when I did, he would come across half court and just jack it up from anywhere, and it didn't seem unusual because a lot of times <laughs> it went in, and I've never seen a player like that before. Where a lot of times you see someone so far off the three point line, and, and the coach is probably screaming on the sideline, "No, no, no! Oh, oh okay, good shot." Um, but it wasn't like that with him. I mean, it was routine. And the other impression, which um, kind of goes back to this Paul Bunyan-esque uh, appeal of his, was I saw him speak before the, the Schenectady Old Timers Baseball Club at <laughs> Glenville Queen Diner. He took a half a day of school and drove down with his parents from Glens Falls to, to Glenville, New York. And most of the people in that room, I think the mean or average age was probably about 75. And these guys were in rapt attention of this high school senior. And he delivered exactly what they were looking for. He was great. He's a communications major, I guess, at Syracuse. And um, you can see why, because he has all the tools as far as he's uh, well uh, delivering his he's message and, and kid. so comfortable up there. Yeah. Yeah. So He's got more. He's more than just a kid who can score baskets. Yeah. You know, also on the court, I do know that he's an excellent passer. You know, people don't realize how good he is of a passer. And he's not just all the outside shot. He can drive, get to the line, you know, uh, stick his face in there on defense. He's He's a good, uh, really good all-around player. Let's see what he does at the college level. I can't wait. I, I was going to say, too, that it's been fun this winter now to also watch him recalibrate. And, like, he's playing a legitimate point guard at Syracuse. Yeah. So I was watching them the other day play Georgetown. You're like, man, like, it's kind of weird that Joe isn't taking those 45-footers anymore. Yeah. Um, getting punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, I think he's already shown that, you know, it's, it's not uh, – he wasn't like a system-type player where – you know, he can only do what he was doing Glens Falls. Um, you know, he's the real deal. He's going to have a nice college career. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not shocking that he's starting already. I thought it was weird when he wasn't yeah. at, the, mm. at the very beginning of the year. It, you know, it took, took a few games. Couple games, yeah. Um, you know, I think this is what he was, you know, what he went there to do, and this is what, made, uh, what makes sense, especially for a rebuilding team. Yeah. I mean, um, what else stood out for you guys in high school sports? I was thinking a lot of – there's been a lot of good stuff, and most – Recently, I got to give Stillwater football a little bit uh, also for winning the section title. They've been trying, trying, trying to get over the hump, backing up a little bit, I think, of Boston Spa baseball. Uh, what a great run, culminates with a state championship. Curtis Noble's just had those kids playing, 
And uh, that was wonderful. Those were just a couple of it's just of all the great things that happened. I got to see them play a game, and I'll, all I remember is my neck hurt from watching balls go over the wall. They that did was kind of their MO, was to just hit they, as many bombs as possible. They did hit home runs, you know, from, from in the playoffs. They hit a bunch of monster home runs. Yeah. Uh, that was just a couple of yeah. a couple of things. So many other things happened, but um, uh, those were two that stood out for me. Same schools, Boston Spa Softball had mm. the game of the year. Playing, I, I can't remember right now. Tell me, head what uh, what it was. It was 20, like 20, 20, 20, yeah, you know, twenty yeah. or thirty innings, yep. and then they turned around and played a state final a couple hours yeah. later. Um, at I the mean, same time as the baseball team played. Yep. So yeah. I was at the baseball, and the ba- the baseball uh, folks are monitoring the softball game at two different parts of the state. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really neat, and they're they're going back and forth. So obviously, uh, big fan support for both teams. You know, that was pretty cool. I don't want to forget Stillwater Soccer. That's who yeah. I was, uh, yeah. come on, I was, was going to yeah. say. Come on. You know, the girls, <laughs> go, they go back to yep. back. They don't lose for two years. Which, they don't lose. That's the thing. You know, winning state titles is super impressive, but along the trail, nobody had that day where we were just a little bit better. They just, nobody had that day. And uh, they come through at the end, a couple of different kids score along. You know, Brooke Pickett was their leading scorer, but other kids continually came through uh, to and as a group, they just got it done. They were happy kids that day, I'll tell you that. And the Skyler football, football team getting into the state mm-hmm. final and a wild Class B, Section 2 Class B uh, playoff yeah. where uh, – Game of the Glens Falls and Trinity. Yeah. Game yeah. of the decade, maybe? You know, I don't know if we want to go with <laughs> sure. that. Yeah, why Let's not? Let's do it. Let's <laughs> it the Let's do it out there. Okay, it's it was there. decided. It's there. You know, just a monster game because everyone was yeah. thinking Holy Trinity, Glens Falls – are going to meet, let's be honest, in the uh, Class B championship game. Uh, the way the seeds worked out, they played in the semifinal hole trying to get some. And then Skylerville turns around and plays a monster game, just all guts and glory for them. And then they end up going farther than... Yeah, and, and by circumstances, I wound up at the Carrier Dome to watch them against Chenango Forks from the Binghamton area. And one of our... Colleagues at another publication told me before the game that this um, Lucas Scott, the fullback for Chenango Forge, pay no attention to the dimensions listed in the, uh, <laughs> the program that they handed out. I think they had him at um, 5'10", 180 or something like that. And this kid was a hulking monster at fullback. <laughs> Ran for 288 yards. He had a 54-yarder. I think he had, uh, I don't know, three or four touchdowns and. He was a total load and just dominated the whole game. Their other running back was really good, too. He had 123 yards, and he's, he's like a footnote to this game. Yeah. Um, so that kid was a monster. I specifically asked him afterwards, um, please clear this up because you clearly are not um, 5'10", 180. He goes, no, I think those numbers are from uh, from eighth grade. I'm, I'm 6'4", 250. And John Bowen, the Skyler coach, had a great line. He said, well, first of all, they said we could not simulate this kid in practice. Yeah. There's no way. And then the other thing he said was, you know, that poor kid, if he had been at our school, we I would have had him straight on the offensive line. I wouldn't have been smart enough to use him at fullback. <laughs> I, I love that line. <laughs> so, um, and then just uh, probably the, the the team, the the group, the school maybe of the year for, uh, you know, they don't win a state title, but Johnstown, who Ooh, yeah, has, yeah. wins a lacrosse, they win that girls lacrosse title in the spring a couple days after they find out they might not have sports. Um, Bunch of problems, yeah. That that group of kids, along with you know a lot of other kids, you know, put you know they 
do this whole fundraising effort. They get to have their seasons, the field hockey team. A lot of the same girls play lacrosse. Exactly. Hockey yep, they come up, uh, I mean, they, they end up as the state runner-up. Um, it's really a tremendous, you know, all-around year for them in, yes. a, in a lot of different ways. Yes. And I covered the game where they got their season ended. And they got destroyed by some team from downstate. I Girl, think. This was the lacrosse, right? Yeah. The lacrosse team, it was like. 20 something to nothing it was like 15 to nothing at halftime and this was when all this stuff was hanging over their heads and you could just see how appreciative they were to just even have a program this yeah. is after they got utterly dismantled in a state level game and, and it didn't matter the biggest thing weighing on their heads was whether they were even going to be able to play sports the following mm -hmm. season i was really happy for them uh coming back and then with the field hockey um just an undefeated run right up until the the sectional final, some uh, team state final, yeah. state final, yeah. uh, beats by a goal. Uh, fantastic season, but also coinciding. This was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, got to throw in Burnhill's girls volleyball. It's been a few years, you know, they've had great teams, but this team really came together and won their seventh uh, state championship for Gary Biden. He's been the coach all the way over 30 <clears throat> years, and um, he's guided all those teams. And this team was. Uh, they could win another one next year. I'm going to throw it out there right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. Uh, we'll have more in our uh, 2019 uh, year in review. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Back on the Pawning Shots podcast, I'm Ken Schott, and I'm joined by my colleagues Mike Kelly, Mike McAdam, and Jim Schultz. Well, let's go to Mike Kelly. Now, it was a bounce-back season for the Siena men's basketball team under Jamie and Christian. And then shortly after the offseason started, Christian left for uh, the job at uh, George Washington. Carmen Marciello, uh, probably mispronouncing his name, but uh, uh, he took takes over. Jaden Pickett flirted with the NBA draft, and then he found himself uh, missing a start, and then a game because of some uh, – team rules violation so it's been an interesting year for Siena. Always is. Always eventful. Um, you know, you, I mean, you, you summed it up pretty well there, but just, you know, kind of the turnaround um, in that one season with, uh, with Jamie and Christian leading them when they go from 8-24 and 24 the year uh, prior to, you know, a, a game over 500, make it to the MAC semifinals. Jalen Pickett is, you know, the, you know, the best MAC freshman in a couple decades. Um, and then he, he, he takes off, he leaves, he goes to GW, gets a new job, Jamie Christian, that is. 
and new coach, Carmen Massarello, I think is how you say it. Massarello, yeah, we're, it's Massarello. We're all yeah, in the ballpark, yeah. <laughs> and he's good with any of the, uh, you know, the five or six different it's, versions it's, it's that you cool. throw yeah. at him. Spelling it is hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of like Goss's Bear. <laughs> or Madame. Uh, yeah. Sakharopoulos. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, you know, and then, you know, hometown guy gets the, the Siena coaching job, Shengrad. Um, you know, it's an awesome story. Um, it's a program that means a lot to 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 uh, Coach Massarello. Um, it's you know, it's cool to see him get his head coaching start local. Um, and obviously, the team this season, you know, a little bit of a slow start. Um, you know, they haven't got to conference play yet. Um, still, you know, uh, you know, solid chance they're going to bounce back and have you know a fun season here coming up. Um, but yeah, you know, just kind of constant turnover <laughs> as it's been for a few years here with that program. Um, it'll be interesting going forward, 2020 and beyond, if they can start to kind of stabilize things. How do you think Carmen handled the uh, picket situation? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in terms of, are we talking about more recent? Or are we talking about with the NBA? Or no, we, more, recent, more, recent, more recent here. More recent with the uh, benching. Um, and the... You know, I think the thing that nobody's really talked about is, you know, first-year head coach could very easily just let the star player, you know, kind of do whatever. It doesn't really seem like the uh, – you know, the, the issues, the, the problems, you know, whatever term you want to use with, uh, with you know, what's kind of maybe, uh, you know, hurt Jalen Pickett's early season so far. You know, none of them really, you know, too crazy of an offense. Uh, I think it's impressive that a first-year head coach, you know, laid down the law <laughs> and, you know, didn't worry about upsetting a star. Uh, I think he's – I think in that sense, uh, you know, he's uh, – Carter Masserell has done a good job, you know, making this his program and making sure that everybody understands kind of what standards you, you have to live up to in it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the gridiron, Mike. And the uh, UL football team was a very pleasant surprise this year. Um, you know, they expected to finish last in the Colonial Athletic Association, ended up finishing second, made the uh, FCS playoffs, won a game in the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, Greg Atusa did a great job. Jeff Undercoveler, a quarterback, uh, really showed he, he can play. And, uh, I mean, how, how big was this for the uh, Great Danes, considering you know they were uh, the, the tough, tough season they had last year? Yeah, they go three and eight, pick to finish last. Coming into this season, you really you know pick to finish last. If they do, you know probably at this time of the year, you know we're probably thinking about you know who's going to be the next coach mm-hmm. of UAlbany football. Um, instead, Greg Atuso leads that program to a nine and five season. He's the coach of the year in that league. Um, a lot of optimism now going forward, and a lot of it tied to, uh, you know, the player you mentioned, Jeff Undercuffler, who's a freshman quarterback, pretty much, uh, you know, set every quarterback record you could at UAlbany already, uh, single season-wise. Um, so, I mean, the, the turnaround was was dramatic, unexpected, <laughs> um, and looks uh, it looks like they can sustain it now going forward because they've got the most important position taken care of uh, theoretically for the next three years. And they, like Siena, had an interesting situation with their top players early in the year, and it seemed like Gattuso handled it well, and the player left, and the team didn't miss a beat. Yeah, Dev Holmes, local star at Troy High School, had a great freshman year, um, you know, and then, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out his sophomore year. And, you know, I, I think similar to what I said about um, how Carmen Massarello dealt with you know, the Jalen Pickett being late a couple times. Um, Greg Cattuso, you know, took charge of his program. Um, There's a player who didn't want to be there, and they moved on. It could have lingered. Um, we've seen that in this area with Siena basketball, and, 
Nico Clareth. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, we still don't know all the particulars <laughs> of the, you know, of Dev Holmes leaving and kind of everything that went, you know, uh, into that decision. Um, but I think when you look at their season, um, it's clear that whatever happened, uh, things were done right by the program as a whole. Um, because, you know, they, I think they were two and two maybe when that happened. And obviously they go on a really nice run, make the playoffs and have their best season in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, otherwise college, I mean, you Albany lacrosse, uh, they had a sort of a you know, kind of strange season, uh, they, yeah, sure. They had a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> not in terms of winning games, yeah. obviously. They, I mean, they they lost more than they won for the first time in a long time. But I mean, just constant off field stuff with them for you know the first month or two of their season with you know different things involving their sophomore star uh, Toga Nanakoke. Um, their head coach Scott Marr got into it with the uh, NCAA as a whole. That um, gained some national attention. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. Uh, the wrong the, kind. The, the NCAA put out multiple statements about uh, you Albany head coach Scott Marr, which uh, usually the the number for that is zero <laughs> in a given year. Um, you know, so I mean, a lot of different you know kind of uh, you know drama filled uh, fun <laughs> around them this year, um, and obviously be interested to see if they can kind of get back on track wins loss wise after making the final four in, in 2018 and then, you know, not yeah. making the tournament in 2019. Yeah. Well, should be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. You guys, any thoughts on the college scene? Well, um, oh, we, 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 before I forget, we should yeah. mention St. Rose women's soccer. Get oh, to the yeah. final four. St. Rose. Yes. Gets the back to the yeah. final four. First time since, uh, 2014. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back when Morgan Burchard was, was a freshman, freshman. Yeah. sixth year senior, uh, on this year's team. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, a great season uh, for them. Yeah, Mike, I'm sorry. They yeah, scored no, the yeah. second goal. I mean, they got beat three two the other day, but um, it was kind of a fitting uh, departure for her to, to get one on the board for them. Uh, they lost three two, and and we were kind of playing catch up the whole game from you know what yeah. we were able to gather. Uh, but um, pretty cool moment for her, I would think, despite the loss. Yeah. So we'll have a couple other topics to discuss before we wrap up the podcast. You're listening to the Funny Shots podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match wits with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week, and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Welcome back to the podcast, and a couple more times we want to discuss before we wrap things up here. Uh, one thing we happened uh, this summer uh, down at the um, Times Junior Center. A couple things happened down there. First, the Aurora Games, the inaugural edition of it. Uh, Mike, I didn't get to cover any of it because it overlapped the Saratoga Rangers season, so I didn't catch a whiff of it. But um, I was doing a little research yesterday for our our year-ender story, and um, over the six days of competition between Team Americas and Team World, they had six events, um, tennis, figure skating, hockey, beach volleyball, basketball, and gymnastics. I hope I didn't say gymnastics twice, but the reason if, if I did, 
um, is because one of the cool moments was Caitlin Ohashi, the um, graduated UCLA um, floor exercise wizard who went viral on YouTube. And I double checked it at the time we wrote the story, it was like 47 million views and it's now up to 77 Jeez. million views and, and counting of her um, uh, perfect 10 performance in the floor exercise um, in Bath. It was back in January for UCLA that just blew up. And she was there and she got, they needed a 9.9 out of her in the final floor exercise to beat team world in, in the gymnastics overall competition. And she bangs out of 10, which um, I thought that was a cool moment. The other one was um, Alisa Liu, uh, the 14 year old figure skating star, star, excuse me. Um, she knocked out a uh, quadruple Lutz, which was achieved for the first time in competition. Now the competition was kind of this, Thing that they put together and you know this is my opinion it was kind of more of an exhibition thing that they put on this season but or this summer but um certainly an interesting thing in a wide variety of events and uh, they apparently the number they came up with was twenty thousand total uh, attendance over the course of the six days they will be back next year um and then i then they don't come back again until 2023 um 2021 they come back oh i'm sorry yeah, 2021 yeah, yeah 2021 yeah. and 2023 yeah. Um, so they do have a, a firm commitment to uh, hosting this event. Although if people are listening in the new year, they'll say, you'll be right saying next year. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I didn't that, think of that. Yeah, so I did. People are going to still be hitting <laughs> yeah. this uh, two weeks from now. <laughs> I hope. Well, hopefully, hopefully. So, uh, and, the, and the other uh, thing that happened at the Times Union Center this year was the Albany Empire winning the Arena Football League Championship, uh, Arena Bowl 32, beating the Philadelphia Soul. As it turned out a few months later, it was the final mm. Arena Bowl championship as the league has folded. They filed for bank uh, Chapter 7 bankruptcy and 32 Arena Bowls, and we're done with the league. That's really a shame because, I mean, the, the fans here really embraced the team, the, the league coming back. Uh, the they got over 12,000 yeah. for the um, – for the arena bowl. And I was there and I was just, it was no, I mean, I, yeah. my, it took me about a week to get my hearing back. It was Which so back to 1999 when they won the, the arena bowl as the Albany Firebirds, a team that I did a game that I covered. Um, and the other sad thing for the league overall, but certainly for Albany empire fans is what really sank the league was a lingering um, legal dispute with a company that was covering an insurance company that was covering their workman's comp from 2009 to 2012. So it was kind of like ancient history, but these people sued um, the Arena Football League and they just couldn't handle it and said, we got to fold up our tents here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What's important though, the Albany Empire, always the champions. Yes, forever more. We are the champions. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody will ever dethrone. You can't take it away. I, I was in the locker room. little legal law. I was shooting video that night and I was in the locker room and uh, thank God they gave us um, – uh, rain gear to uh, protect their clothing from the uh, champagne that was being uh, sprayed around the uh, locker room. Did you pass out goggles to the media? No, I was wearing my glasses. So I didn't have to worry about goggles. No, we weren't wearing goggles, but uh, it still was what kind of thing, but kind of fun. So it was, it was a blast. But Mike, um, you know, any uh, your review would not be complete without talking about the uh, Saratoga racing season. And for the first time, we had a really an early start this year. I mean, what was the effects of that? Well, the reason it wasn't so much the early start. That was facilitated by the fact that they went to two dark days on Monday and Tuesday instead of Tuesday only, which they've been doing for the last few decades. Um, There's a lot of – there was some grumbling, but there were some people applauded it for various reasons. You, you could 
ask 10 different people and get 10 different opinions about whether it was good or bad. Um, the bottom line, the only number that matters is that uh, New York Racing Association um, gobbled up $705 million in um, uh, betting handles. It's the first time they've ever gone over $700. Uh, they did pass paid attendance of a million for the fifth year in a row. So there were no adverse effects from that side of things. Um, and me personally, um, I, it, it was the earlier start seemed kind of weird. I threw some people off because it was on a Thursday. People have their traditions up there. They love that Friday opening day that they started a few years ago. So that, you know, really back to my grumbling comment before you heard, you know, some people were a little miffed about that and kind of threw off their rhythm and their schedule a little bit, but overall, you know, it worked out for everybody and they're going to do it again, exactly the same way they announced recently that, you know, there was some speculation that new president CEO, David O'Rourke, who had told me toward the end of the meet that he was really interested in, in trying the Tuesday, Wednesday day off deal just to see how it would go. Cause they are committed to two days off. And I, I'd be flabbergasted if they ever went back to one day off. Um, but then after meeting with the community up there and the business leaders and the Chamber of Commerce and some other people, they decided let's stick with Monday, Tuesday, because that worked. Yeah, it seems like if you get Tuesday, Wednesday, I mean, to me, Mondays are always a sort of a late attendance day anyway. So. Well, Wednesday is the same thing, yeah. too. I mean, it's really in the same category. I know because I'm up there every day and, um, you know, it, you talk about, well, maybe Monday racing would be good because people would be more tempted to, to you know, carry a long weekend from Friday to Monday. Um, I mean, again, you can look at it a million different ways, but the bottom line is it really worked um, lucratively for them yeah. doing it the way they did it this way. And we talked about you, Albany football earlier in this uh, show, and, and another football team that really did well was the Union football team, uh, undefeated in the regular season, won the Liberty League title, got to the uh, Division Three playoffs, won it on the first round, and uh, – I mean, it seems like things are back to, to normal with the football team is because of a couple of years ago they were 0 and 10. Yeah, and don't forget they demolished um, RPI in the um, shoes, uh, the Dutchman shoes game, 33 to nothing. Um, this is a team that for a long time was used to used to having a really really good football team, certainly competitive in the league and against teams like Ithaca, you know, perennial powers in the Northeast in Division Three. And they had kind of really dropped off and gotten to the low point with that 0-10 season. And I think this reflects a clear commitment from everybody at the school administration on down that, hey, you know, football is a big part of our identity. Let's figure out a way to um, regain that. And this year it just blew up in, in as big a way as it possibly could, at least five years off an 0-10 season. I, granted, they weren't threatening for a national championship. They did go to the Stag Bowl in 83 and 89, a game that I covered. Um, so they still have a long way to go to get to that point, if, if that's a possibility. But in the meantime, I'm sure everybody over there is very satisfied with what they did this year. Um, uh, they they beat Case Western Reserve in the first round of the NCAAs, 24-21. They were down 21-3 to at halftime. Uh, really fun game to watch. Um, and then they had a looming next opponent was Salisbury State, which had, was coming off an 83 to nothing <laughs> destruction of SUNY Maritime. So everyone was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do against this team? And then it was just a total touchdown fest that, that Salisbury eventually won 62 to 41. Um, but they're back. They're on the map again. Well, it's good to know. It's great to see. And, uh, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Let's, let's do it again next year. Sure. <laughs> that wraps up another edition of the Pawning Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Mike Kelly, Mike McGannon, and Jim Schultz for coming on. 
The Body Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Parting Shots Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. And guys, you want to say where you can follow you guys on Twitter? Uh, Michael Kelly, uh, by, at by Michael Kelly, B-Y-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-K-E-L-L-Y. Mike? At Mike underscore McAdam, M-A-C, not M-C. <laughs> and Jim? It's uh, at Jim underscore Schultz. Okay. The views expressed in the Pawning Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Pawning Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening during 2019, and I'll catch you in 2020. From the Pawning Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, and Happy Happy New Year. Year!